This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Excited to do this once again. It's special theme week. We're talking about the 1992 Super Bowl. That was at the Metrodome. Yeah, the Metrodome got a Super Bowl 26 years before U.S. Bank Stadium got one. There was one at the Metrodome. I'll be joined in a little bit by former Star Tribune editor Tim McGuire for a look back at that time and then specifically the controversy that came to a head during that Super Bowl uh, over the use of the Washington nickname because it was Washington against Buffalo in that Super Bowl. Before we get to that, I want to just jog your memory. If you can't really remember what happened in that Super Bowl, here's five things that happened in that Super Bowl. One, it was kind of a, one of those Super Bowls that wasn't very close, and that happened a lot back then. Washington was up 37-10 to before two late Buffalo touchdowns made the final score 37-24, but not really competitive throughout that game. Big reason why Buffalo had five turnovers in the game. Yeah, you're not going to win a lot of games like that. Reminds me a little bit of the 2009 NFC title game. I don't know why I had to bring that up, but I did. Another reason they struggled in that game, Thurman Thomas, just 10 carries for 13 yards. He was Buffalo's all-world running back, great pass catcher, great runner, could not get it going against Washington's defense. Now, of course, that was the second of Buffalo's four consecutive Super Bowl losses. Vikings fans are well acquainted with Super Bowl losses, but Buffalo lost four in a row. You know, the first one, probably the most devastating one, when Scott Norwood missed a late field goal from 47 yards. They lost to the Giants 20-19. to Some of the other ones, not quite as close, but this one certainly wasn't, a, wasn't really a ball game from the beginning. They lost 37-24. One other thing about it, the halftime show has been widely lampooned as, you, as time goes on. I remember... This coming out, especially when the, the you know the Justin Timberlake was the featured act at the uh, U.S. Bank Stadium Super Bowl a few years ago, this halftime show had like a winter wonderland theme at the Metrodome. There was like all sorts of Olympic stuff. There was rollerblade stunts. Um, shout out to my blade buds. Figure skating was going on. Um, Gloria Stefan was uh, was the the key performer, which is fine. But again, this was 1992, and I don't know if they quite had exactly everything planned out as they should have with the entertainment. But really, the big story, uh, aside from the game itself, was the protest. Thousands of people protesting the Washington nickname. I get into that a lot with Tim McGuire, former Star Tribune editor, right now here on Daily Delivery. Really happy to be joined right now by former Star Tribune editor Tim McGuire. You're in New Mexico uh, right now, if I'm not mistaken, but you, uh, you, you also... I've been at Arizona State for quite some time as well, teaching there. Um, well, first of all, how are you doing? Welcome. Uh, good, to, good to see you again. It's good to be seen at this age. <laughs> I, I suppose so. You're not that old, Tim. Come on. It's not that bad. But uh, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to bring you on this particular episode as we were think back on the Super Bowl that was in, you know, in Minneapolis almost 30 years ago at the Metrodome in, uh, you know, late January 1992, and you were a prominent editor at the Star Tribune at that time. And maybe I'll start in, you know, I know in doing enough of these interviews so far for different episodes, I know that asking somebody to remember things that happened 30 years ago is a little bit of a dicey proposition. I don't remember some things that happened last week necessarily. So I don't remember you to remember everything that I'm going to ask you, but maybe we can start bigger picture in that, you know, kind of the 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 impetus for this whole series was all the things that were happening in the Twin Cities sports wise in this you know basically one year span we had the you know the Stanley Cup finals the US Open golf had the World Series the 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 Super Bowl the final four do you 
Do you have a recollection of what that time was like? And, you know, trying to lead the paper through, you know, this kind of sports uh, extravaganza that we were having and, and, and what, what kind of a big deal that was is we kind of took these one right after the other. It was a zoo. Uh, <laughs> I started everything with the 1987 world series. Sure. And, uh, and at that time we were trying to put in a new uh, press and production system and it was wild. And that continued uh, into 91. And as you say, I think there was a big golf tournament in there too. Yeah. U S open. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember all I remember in my head is the circus. Uh, and uh, it was very heavily sports oriented. As you may or may not know, I'm a sports guy. Oh yeah. And, I, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big sports guy. And I believed then, and I believe now, and in fact, now I think it's the salvation. I believe sports sells newspapers in any market and especially this one. And I think, uh, uh, having a strong sports section is crucial at this point, but it was a wild time, and uh, the uh, logistics of the of the Super Bowl yeah. were particularly uh, dicey. But for those of your audience who haven't been privileged to see the newspaper industry, all that sports concentrated in a short amount of time was a real stress point it, it was very difficult and you had the you know you had the, the the events that were scheduled obviously with which kind of baffles me I, I don't think i don't think you would see these days uh the the same market getting a u.s open a super bowl and a final four all in this you know all in an eight or nine month span but then you mix in yeah. the World Series and the Stanley Cup playoffs or Stanley Cup finals, which are unplanned. You know, it's just kind of dependent on the home team getting there. And yeah, I can imagine that was a stressful time. It really was. It, it was a circus. Uh, but we had a great sports staff, as you still do. And uh, uh, I think we, we did very well there. I do remember that the Super Bowl, in the specific topic you're looking at, I do have some memories of that. Sure. And one of the biggest memories is that we uh, were we were always covering Native American protests. Sure. They they had been concerned about this for a long time. And when it happened at the Super Bowl, I got to admit, my memory is we said, "Oh." They're protesting the Indian nicknames. What they, they did that was really smart is they ignored us and they went national. Yeah. And when they went national, the CBS Evening News, et cetera, et cetera, that made us get more involved in it and mm. report it harder. We really wouldn't have made that a very big deal, except my memory is that I, rem I remember saying, wow, that was really smart of them. Uh, that they, they uh, centered their efforts on national media. And that really did propel the issue. Uh, 
now the other part of this for me and us is this is a year ahead of me making the decision that we weren't going to use Native American nicknames. Right. And it would it would be a lie and disingenuous to say to not admit that that protest was a one of the five or six stimuli for that decision. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it brings it more front and center. It brings it to your attention more. I mean, what's interesting is, you know, certainly the protests in 92, and we saw it some at the World Series, too, with with the Atlanta Braves uh, in, in Minnesota, um, you know, the pace of change, though, is is not necessarily rapid, although it did influence you um, in, in the paper's decision to not use those nicknames in print. Um, it wasn't until um, Atlanta still has that nickname in Washington until last year when they finally did do away with their nickname, still had it, you know, 28 years later. So what, what does that say about the, the pace of change and, and kind of, you know, you got to kind of start early, I guess, if you if you want to actually get something done. Well, as you know, uh, we and I took an enormous amount of uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you can do that what you want uh, <laughs> over that decision. I mean, uh, and the, the sports staff, you know, led that. Uh, nobody would have noticed it if people didn't leak. I mean, as you know the classic story, I'm sure, that Howard Sinker never used the word Braves in his front page World Series coverage. Right. Never used it. And nobody... Nobody noticed, including the editor of the newspaper. Okay. <laughs> he, he was that deft about it. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was a big deal. And the pace of change is always remarkable. Uh, it, uh, uh, I think if more newspapers would have followed, that whole pace would have been uh, increased. Then I think the... Uh, editor of the paper that followed me, you know, made a horrible mistake by rescinding the decision. But uh, I think that too affected the pace of change. Do you think newspapers have an obligation like that to kind of set that uh, moral discourse, that moral compass, I guess, as, as we think of it? Well, that that was the debate. And yeah. obviously I do. Uh, I, I tend I, to agree too. I'm just... I I'm mean, just the example I always used uh, when I was teaching after I left the Star Tribune was uh, Randy Johnson was on his motorcycle, not wearing a helmet, and had a crash, and his brains oozed out on the pavement. We wouldn't do that. We make those kind of choices all the time. We, You don't use the F word. You don't use a lot of so to say that we shouldn't make decisions about what's right and what's wrong, I think is disingenuous as hell. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a, uh, yeah, we, we make those decisions all the time consciously or not. And, and how much they impact our coverage uh, certainly is a, you know, is, is a big, is a big piece of kind of how we operate. Of course, there's no internet back then either. So I don't, I don't imagine our feedback was quite as swift as it might be right now. That's right. Oh yeah. No, that does not escape me at all. Uh, and that's, I don't do very many of these interviews 
because people just can't understand the difference between 1991 and 2021. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'd no more enter a newsroom than the man on the moon. I mean, I, I wouldn't know a tenth of what was going on. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it's important to admit that. I mean, the change has just been incredible. But, and you speak of the biggest on um, the internet. I mean, yeah. Yeah. your accountability loop is so different from the one I had. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Um, Tim McGuire enjoying, oh, go ahead. I used to be nervous about the city pages and their media criticism <laughs> once a week. And uh, hell, you guys get that at, you know, 20 times an hour. 24-7, 365, <laughs> it feels like sometimes. But, uh, but yeah, we got to we gotta watch, uh, watch ourselves. It, it does make us more accountable probably. Um, but, you know, that said, the coverage then was, you know, you, you, you probably, there was a certain element to it too where you – you went to bed every night nervous that there was going to be something a competitor had that you didn't have. You wouldn't know that, you know, right away. You would know that 12 hours later and it would be a terrible feeling, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. No. I always used to say I'm one F word away from being out of a job. <laughs> well, luckily you weren't. Uh, you enjoyed a nice long career at the Star Tribune. Any Any other recollections of you know, of that Super Bowl of that time or just of that era and just, the, you know, the, I guess, you know, covering sports in an era where we actually had teams that were winning and we actually had, um, you know, some, some fun things to, to write about, uh, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, 87 and 91 were really incredible in the, the World Series. It, the other ones you're just hosting out-of-towners coming in and you have to have a good coverage plan and you have to do it right. But I have never seen a community as gripped by both those World Series. 1994, three years later, we did a major piece of research. And that piece of research showed us that about 30% of our readers spent an hour with the, reader, with the paper. Okay. They were okay. totally dedicated. About 60% spent 15 minutes with the paper. The reason they did was what we called surveillance. Okay. Didn't want to be idiots when they walked into the, into the office. Okay. They okay. wanted to know just enough about the World Series, about uh, everything that was going on, that they would not be stupid. Uh, you know, today, that, that is not a valid approach because shared experience isn't a big deal anymore. It's all polarized. They want to go to their source and don't want to hear anything else. But for us in the 90s, it was all about shared experience and nothing created shared experience like the two world series. That's interesting. I, I, I believe it. I think there's still that element of shared experience in sports, but you're right. It's probably it's a little bit more fragmented. And I think you see people even in, you know, I think people's allegiances are a little bit more divided. You kind of pick and choose who you want to root for a little bit more now. And there's, there's certainly a lot more interest in the off field stuff now than the on field stuff and in things of that nature. Yeah. And uh, the off field stuff 
certainly existed, but it wasn't as rabid as it is now. Yeah, the Super Bowl was a bigger deal back then than free agency, and I don't know if it is now. <laughs> yeah. The way it is. And, and it was interesting, you know, the big thing about the Super Bowl was, uh, and I want to disclose this carefully, but Minnesota is colder than hell. <laughs> it is in, in late January, in particular, when they ho- when they hosted the Super Bowl at a not very nice stadium called the Metrodome. That's right, and and so weather and the stadium, they were all really important issues. A lot of cynics didn't think they'd pull it off. They did, but it it was a real gamble, and you know weather became one of the biggest stories uh and uh you know in the stadium i mean i was at that super bowl and uh for the first time i liked the metrodome for baseball i'm the only one in the world who did (laughs) But, but that football game when you had rows that were you know 40 50 uh, seats long it was just, it was nuts. Um, and uh, so there were a lot of side issues to that Super Bowl, but being in Minnesota was one of the biggest. Oh, yeah, it was. I mean, they gave us another one 26 years later, and all the same things were still relevant. It was cold. It was, you know, it was too cold. We never, never coming back. At least it was, a you know, the stadium itself was brand new and, and pretty nice, but it still it, it boggles my mind to think of the Metrodome hosting a Super Bowl because you know that was a little bit before my journalistic time, at least even if I was a football fan back then. Yeah, that you were about nine. No, I was older than that. I was in '92 Super Bowl. I'd have been 15 at that point, but it's uh, still still pretty young. Not quite ready to work at the Star Tribune. Yet. Yeah. Well. I enjoyed this conversation. I like this perspective you were able to lend to this time and this subject. Um, Tim McGuire, former editor at the Star Tribune. Um, anything else to add before I go? I should. Uh, I don't want to cut you off if you've got any final thoughts. No. Uh, it, uh, I guess the only final thought is what I already expressed, and that is uh, you're researching 30 years it almost could be entitled light years ago because things are so different. And uh, it, uh, you know, I read Twitter and I read Facebook and these former editors are full of advice and here's what you ought to do. And, oh, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. It's a totally new world. Uh, and, And so I try to be cautious about that. We have talked about history and not, current stuff because i wouldn't pretend to talk about current stuff that makes sense and even in my you know 20 years at the paper things have feels like it's 100 years ago before the internet doesn't it yeah oh well tim mcguire great great perspectives really appreciate you you joining daily delivery today and let's uh, let's keep in touch all right it was fun thank you great stuff from tim mcguire really enjoyed catching up with him and just as a point of reference I still can't believe it took this long. I can, but I can't. I can't believe that it took almost 30 years from those protests for Washington to finally change its nickname last year. Now, they're just the Washington football team, and it does remind me a little bit. My high school, Grand Forks Central, went through a similar name change right around the time of this Super Bowl. And I can remember in 
middle school, you know, being part of a you know a petition to to get the name changed because it was the same as Washington's nickname. It was Redskins, and it's offensive. It's just plain is offensive. There's no way around it. Our high school changed its nickname about 30 years ago. Much controversy about that. A lot of people wanting to keep the name, but they did the right thing eventually. You know, settled in on the Knights, and now everything's fine. Washington, I'm, I'm wondering what they're going to wind up with. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people upset about this as time goes on. But guess what, you guys? A nickname doesn't define your team. It's just a, it's just a name. You're going to get over it. And you did the right thing, finally, even if it took you 30 years too long to do it. That'll do it for me today. Join me on Friday. I'll be joined by Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist. We're going to talk about the, the Final Four at the Metrodome in 1992. Yeah, just like nine weeks after the Super Bowl, they got the Final Four there. Can you believe that? I, I would have been exhausted covering all these things back then, even if I would have been a young man of about 15 years old. I still would have been tired, uh, even if I wouldn't have been working at the Star Tribune back then. I hope you guys are enjoying this series. Thank you for joining me here on Daily Delivery today, and we'll catch you again for the finale of the series on Friday.